0: Welcome to On the Middle East, the podcast of the award-winning media service El Monitor, where each week we talk with the decision makers and thought leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in the Middle East. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of El Monitor, and our guest this week is El Monitor columnist Kadri Gersel. Kadri is also a member of the board of Reporters Without Borders and the TV debater and commentator on Halk TV in Turkey. He has previously had columns at the Turkish dailies Melayet and Cumhuriyet, and prior to that was a reporter for Agence France Press. In October 2016, Kadri was detained and jailed for 11 months in the operation against Cumhuriyet. He documents his ordeal and the decay of press freedom in Turkey in his book, in Turkish, the English translation, I believe, is I'm Sorry for You Too, published in November 2018. While working for the AFP in 1995, he was kidnapped in the Turkish Southeast by the PKK. He recounts his experiences in captivity with the group in his book titled Those of the Mountains, published in 1996. Again, that's the English language title. My conversation with Kadri Gersel about Turkey's policies related to the Russian-Ukraine war, the U.S. and NATO, Syria, Saudi Arabia, and what to expect in the 2023 Turkish elections, that conversation begins now. Kadri, welcome to On the Middle East.
1: Hello, uh, Andrew, and uh, thank you for having me.
0: Wonderful to have you on the program. Let's start with the Russia-Ukraine war. And what I've called President Erdogan's star turn in global diplomacy, that is his efforts to try to mediate between Russia and Ukraine. For now, this seems like mission impossible, but the effort is commendable. And it it seems to me this, this effort is driven by national interest, as the war is exacerbating Turkey's already difficult economic situation and opportunity as Erdogan is, in, interestingly I should say, well positioned to mediate because Turkey has good relations with both countries. Erdogan's
1: Turkey has a long tradition of uh, mediation. They have a capacity and uh, they use this capacity to, uh, to make uh, their political capital bigger and, and uh, this is quite understandable. And this is a quite a good response to the to the post Cold War era in in the region. So Turkey uh, opted to relativ- relativize uh, its ties with the West and then uh, opt or choose to follow a more uh, independent foreign policy. And the mediation uh, was a good uh, good answer, good instrument, I think. In uh, in this context, but with these two countries, we both Russia and Ukraine, Turkey, is ha- has a very important ties. Uh, Turkey, Turkey is dependent dependent uh, to Russia in in uh, on on energy issues, and Turkey has very interesting ties with Ukraine, particularly on uh, on defense issues, for example. And uh, these two countries are, uh, are, are very important countries. So, And then a conflict in between the two would definitely hurt Turkey. And Turkey has nothing to gain, I think, in mid in midterm, in long-term, out of this, this conflict. So Turkey has reason to mediate and has a capacity to use in, uh, in order to mediate in between the two. But uh, a third, a third reason can be added, I think, because uh, of uh, Turkey having having consumed its diplomatic capacity in the course of the 2010-2010 uh, until two, two, uh, 2020. Uh, in 2020, Turkey's foreign policy has turned, you know, has been militarized because of this uh, this this impasse in on the in the diplomatic level so turkey has to uh, now uh, it is an opportunity for turkey to catapult itself to the world stage again by mediation and and and russia and ukraine has good reasons for not to say no to turkey when it's uh, they are asked from ankara to come together for example last time in antalya uh and because both sides do not want to lose turkey to the to to the adversary so uh both sides uh, also value turkey more i think turkey is an important country for russia to uh, and for ukraine even more important uh, because and they they these two countries do make uh, their uh, their maximum effort not to lose Turkey to the other, other side. So it's, a, I think, uh, very uh, good context for Turkey to, to use in this regard.
0: One of the sticking points uh, between Russia and Turkey with regard to Ukraine is that Turkey supplies drones to Ukraine, which have been instrumental in the uh, Ukrainian uh, defensive military effort. Why does Turkey supply drones to Ukraine? Well,
1: um, Turkey has has a growing uh, armament or defense industry, and uh, wants to publicize it. Want uh, want to publicize? That's, I think, I don't think that the move uh, was a was a, a move considering uh, the they confling or taking into consideration. The conflict in between Russia and and Ukraine, and I think this this this cell of, of drones uh, in quantity was not a, a purchase for Ukraine to be to use against Russia to alter uh, to change the equilibrium and the course of the of the war, and uh, and and. Turkey has has sold, you know, sold to many countries, including, including Ethiopia, for example, and didn't didn't behave as a responsible uh, supplier so far, because these countries have, you know, inner inner conflicts, uh, putting putting the central governments against, you know, uh, against some separatists or other other other. Other groups, like in Ukraine, and uh, I think I think selling drones to Ukraine wasn't a move uh, made against Russia. It was a move uh, made just for the sole Turkish interests to, uh, to to um, to to make their defense armament uh, industry. Uh, to promote their defense armament industry and uh, to gain some reputation around the world. That's it. And I think in 2020, to, in, to, in 2020, in many occasions, in Syria, in, uh, in, in Libya and in Azerbaijan, uh, these drones have demonstrated, uh, they proved themselves uh, well and then uh, this time in in ukraine they served to the to the turkish interests uh, and uh, they gain a well founded reputation but ukraine do- doesn't use these dro- drones at uh, at industrial level and in a maybe they they they would have uh, taken a doctrine from turks but i think in quantity they can't change the course of the war but they, they they made a great, they publicized Turkish drones well so far in, in, in the war, but I'm not so sure that they would uh, change, they would alter the, the course of the war.
0: We see divisions within Europe, Austria, Germany, hesitant to impose uh, energy sanctions on Russia. How far... Will Turkey go, along with the West and Europe and NATO countries, in imposing sanctions? And will it abide by broader sanctions? Uh, Would it even consider cutting off energy imports and sanction Russian oligarchs? Or can these oligarchs and their money find a safe haven in Turkey?
1: Turkey now is following a policy of active neutrality and this, this policy has many many reasons they want to keep maintain their good relations with russia these relations are uh, at many levels uh, particularly uh, there is a there's an individual per level these relations have been personalized in between putin and erdogan and uh, turkey has become dependent to russia in energy terms not only for natural gas, uh, but, uh, but also for, for nuclear. There is a nuclear uh, plant which is under construction in south of, of Turkey. So Turkey cannot sanction Russia, cannot. Even, even if it, it, it wants to, uh, but it cannot simply because uh, it's dependent to Russia second, this administration Erdogan cannot sanction russia uh, a year ahead when when there is an election crucial election uh, a year later year later in, in ankara in turkey excuse me and this is this this would be extremely harmful for for turkey already already the contraction in russian economy will harm turkish economy so bad and uh, same Apply, Does apply for for Ukraine, and the, uh, and and if the if the European economy contract uh, because of the sanctions they uh, they they put against against Russia, this this will harm Turkey too. So Turkey is already harmed by this conflict, and this harm cannot exceed unacceptable levels, politically speaking, because it can cause uh, the po- political power. Uh, to the incumbent, uh, Mr. Erdogan, it's it's it's impossible for Turkey to do so, uh, given the fact that uh, they they consume their re- reserves now. The uh, central b- bank reserves are in the negative, and uh, and so full stop. Uh, but this this policy is not sustainable for the mid mid term. Turkey is following this policy of, uh, you know, active neutrality. Uh, but if we consider uh, that this is a new cold war of different type, but it's a new cold war, there will be an ideological front. There is already an ideological front, and uh, in this war, and there is a juxtapositioning of many fronts, and Turkey cannot ignore the new realities, and Turkey cannot. Uh, Will not be able to manage this policy of active neutrality in the in the in the mid run and long run. So uh, I think until two thousand twenty three, two thousand twenty three, this uh, this policy can be handled by Erdogan. But uh, we will see. I don't think that is, is sustainable.
0: It seems to me that the war and its Turkey's mediation role uh, has uh, highlighted Turkey's key role as a NATO alliance member. And that relationship between Turkey and NATO and between Turkey and the United States had been singed by Turkey's purchase of the Russian S-400 missile defense system. Where does the S-400 issue stand? Is Turkey willing to... Shelve the missiles, return the missiles in order to uh, make good in terms of its relationship with the United States, which seems to be improving. There was an agreement uh, a week or two ago regarding a new strategic mechanism, I think they called it, for dialogue between the U.S. and Turkey on a wide range of issues. So there have been positive steps uh, in the last, since the war, in terms of U.S.-Turkey relations, but the S-400 issue is still out there How do you see that from Turkey?
1: We have to go back to 2017 and see the reasons of of this move, of purchasing S-400 systems from Russia. Uh, Ankara has made a huge strategic mistake by purchasing this system from Russia. Just, uh, you know, after the coup attempt uh, in uh, July two thousand sixteen, uh, in uh, against against Erdogan, uh, in the wake of it, you know, uh, Turkey Ankara and Erdogan as as as a, as a person turned immediately to Russia, and the first foreign visit that Mr. Erdogan uh, has made was to sent uh, was to Russia to see to to meet uh, Mr Putin in St Petersburg and the first signature for the purchase of the S400 was uh, was that you know uh, was made in April 2017 so S400 the purchase of S400 is the consequence of a of a of a psychological disorder of a, of a distress, of a vital threat perception from the coup attempt, and we have to admit, we have to repeat that, this time, you know, um, Erdogan, Erdogan has saw the United States uh, behind behind the Gulenist movement, which which they were accused for for staging the coup. And as, as, the, as the leader of this movement and the cadre of this movement uh, were, you know, um, stationing or living or, you know, uh, uh, were, uh, were in the United States uh, for a quite long time, uh, they kept somewhat responsible the United States and turned to Russia for, for you know, for safeguards and for uh, for somewhat retaliations i think this was a retaliation of but doomed to fail in the in the long term and this and we are at the end of this end of it because given the new reality of the new cold war there is no eurasian alternative left for turkey there has never been a Eurasian alternative, but as a even as a rhetoric, it's over, the game is over. So, and uh, N- Turkey has always been technically a NATO member. Now, uh, I think, I think Ankara, Ankara understood that. This S four hundred, they long they understood the, understood this long ago. This with this. S-400 issue, uh, Turkey's armored forces and particularly air forces deterrence uh, couldn't be safeguarded for the next 10, 15 years. And and uh, under the CAATSA sanctions, there is there must be a way to you know overcome the crisis of S-400. And I think that the hour of the truth has come. And uh, and uh, there will be a solution because for this S four hundred they will be shelved forever under the U.S. supervision. This is this sounds to to me the the best feasible option, you know, that two parties would take. And then uh, Turkey has paid a bitter price uh, for purchasing this strategic. Missile systems for from uh, Russia uh, by being you know uh, discarded from uh, the joint F-35 joint production of F-35 and this five fifth generation uh, fighter planes that Turkey had has is is uh, needs needs badly needs uh, now creates uh, the lack of them creates an important gap. Uh, to be to be covered by the purchasing by purchasing F16s as a as a temporary solution i think i think turkey uh, realigned itself strategically again with the western alliance uh, given the fact that there is no uh, that the shanghai cooperation organization or uh, you know Beijing, or Moscow are not uh, alternative at the rhetorical
0: level anymore. Kadri, let's stay on foreign policy. We've been covering Turkey's offer to open a dialogue with the Syrian government, while also mm-hmm. reinforcing Turkey's positions and proxy forces in Syria. Is it realistic to consider that Ankara and Damascus could bury the hatchet and? If so, how would you see that negotiation proceeding? Obviously, there is a big economic incentive for Turkey. It, it houses 3.5 million Syrian refugees.
1: Well, um, it's a big issue for Turkey. The refugee question is, an, is a crisis of nation, national, national dimension. It's a national... National crisis right at the moment, and uh, to keep this crisis, situ- like situ- crisis, the situation of crisis uh, checked or controlled or manageable, Turkey has to uh, to have a say on Syria issues and to have a say on Syria issues. Turkey Turkey needs to maintain. A military force in Syria. That's the that's the uh, that's the way to manage the da- that's the way to control the damage so far done by this ill-planned and ill-implemented Syria policy since the beginning of the so-called Arab Spring 2011. So uh, I think Turkey. Run by uh, by Erdogan or some someone else, or some other political force, or today's opposition. Will have to maintain its military force uh, in Syria until a negotiated solution will be found. Will be founded and found and and uh, agreed upon. So uh, any any early withdrawal from russia without without the world reaching a political settlement for the question for the conflict in in syria would harm turkey's interests vitally and strategically and turkey doesn't need to be seen as a as a, as a defeated and weakened force so they have the capacity to maintain there are armored forces, you know, in Syria. And uh, Russia has a limited capacity to push Turkey out of Syria. So there is an equilibrium already, you know, uh, built uh, in, in this regard. And I think this equilibrium will go on. Uh, and, uh, and the the key point is Idlib. And Turkey has to manage, has to control uh, this, uh, you know, uh, jihadists, Islamist, armed Islamist groups, uh, for not, for them not to, you know, alter the alter the situation, uh, destabilize the situation more by provoking Russian and Syrian, you know, uh, re- reaction militarily. So, uh, so far so good, I think, and. Uh, And Turkey has reached reached its limits too, because remember, you know, coming to Kurds, to YPG. uh, Remember that you know, in uh, in the autumn of 2021, we were we were hearing a lot about rumors that Turkey would launch a military operation uh, against Kobani and districts uh, or regions around Kobani but it didn't happen so would it happen uh, will it happen or could it happen again i don't think so because it this kind of operations do not pay off you know domestically uh, will not will not uh, help the help erdogan administration uh, to get the upper hand you know in domestic terms so i think the situation will go on until the moment of a negotiated uh, nego- to start a, ne- uh, a negotiation to, to solve the Syria crisis uh, will
0: come. From Erdogan's perspective, does a solution simply include Syrian government sovereignty over those areas that are currently administered by uh, Kurdish autonomous uh, forces?
1: Well, uh, look. It depends on the American uh, in, American inclusion in the context. Uh, as long as the Americans uh, will have their uh, endorsement and support to Syria Kurds and uh, control over the Syria Kurds, I think uh, I think uh, a kind of Kurdish option uh, solution, include in, including Kurds into the solution will be feasible, and then uh, and then uh, I think uh, uh, Russia will will insist uh, Kurds not to go, you know, uh, not to go. Uh, in a, you know, take a separatist drive or separatist course in this regard, not to divide Syria. And uh, for Ankara, keeping Syrian integrity intact is a, I think, is a prerequisite in this term because if not, they would easily anticipate that that means uh, Kurdish autonomy and the kurdish autonomy would be very problematic for for turkey they would not accept it so uh, i think a greater uh, kind of you know uh, kind of appeasement would be can be can be found for kurds in in, in syria or uh, the question can be can be uh, kept frozen uh, for for at least uh, at least another term another for for for at least a decade maybe, uh, and because this this is not easy to solve, you know the Syria problem. Uh, this Ankara will, will if the if the government will change if the if if Erdogan will lose elections. In 2023, the, uh, the the new political power will, will certainly will certainly recognize Damascus and uh, will talk to Damascus, and this can this can change the situation in this regard. But until 2023, I don't expect uh, any new move from Ankara. Because uh, the, the situation, this, the de the, the, the facto situation right now, I think is the less harmful in this regard, because it keeps, it keeps uh, the popular base of the jihadi groups in, in, Idlib, in Idlib. It does not exacerbate Turkey's refugee, uh, Syrian refugee problem and it's a manageable situation for right now and uh, i don't think that uh, i don't think uh, that and russia Ru- Ru- turkish russian relationship has always been have always been compartmentalized and i think that there will be no spillover you know the exacerbation of in ukraine will not spill over uh, to to Syria and uh, because Syria has a different reality and both sides Turkey and Russia uh, consider recognize that the reality is different and because because uh, Russia's Russia's uh, uh, Russia's uh, capacity is limited in this regard in in in Syria and Turkey has uh, somewhat a Important capacity to punish Syria if some limits uh, would be exceeded, as as they have shown this in February 2020, uh, and then uh, the first use of TB two by Rakhtar armored drones uh, was, you know, was very efficient and very, you know, have uh, to say harmful in, on Syria Arab army. So uh, I think there is this. There is an equilibrium and but not sustainable in the mid mid midterm. Uh, I don't think that the situation will change uh, for a foreseeable future in Syria in, 2020, in 2022 uh, this year. Uh, because both, uh, all actors are very busy right now with
0: something else. Erdogan has been consistent that the US backed and mostly Kurdish Syrian Democratic Forces, the SDF, are essentially Mm -hmm. the Syrian franchise of the Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, which both Washington and Ankara consider a terrorist group. What is the latest on the Kurdish question and how do you see that playing out, not just with regard to the PKK, but also relationships uh, between Uh, Kurds and Turks, and in the social context, and also the political context, in terms of the uh, Kurdish political parties,
1: Turkey's Kurdish question is now actually unsolvable without the inclusion of great powers uh, having inter, inter, you know, intervened in in Syria and and gained a status of, uh, of of of. of protectors of uh, Kurds in Syria from different angle, you know. Let's admit first that Turkey's Kurdish question is unsolvable right, right now, but uh, Turkey can be democratized, and this would this would change the equilibrium a lot, I think. And then and then this democratic Turkey would have an upper hand. To deal with, with its own internationalized Kurdish question, but for now, on, Turkey has no other option to keep the de facto situation unchanged. So, uh, yes, this you know, uh, PKK you know uh, off, offshoots uh, in in Syria should not have. They should not gain more. They must be controlled and contained. And the uh, and, uh, situation must be, you know, uh, tamed in this regard. Uh, turkish Syrian, turkish Kurdish question has become a part of a greater Syria question which is in fact, f- fact very you know comp- uh, you know jeopardizing you know turkey's situation in this regard so uh, and militarily speaking there is a military equilibrium right there and we should not forget that the united states did not engage kurds of syria or you know uh, pkk offshoots in syria Politically, they have also, they only engaged them, uh, engaged, uh, they only, you know, fomented this partnership, partnership. Militarily, there is no uh, political guarantees that are given by Americans to Syria Kurds. And this is an important point that, you know, uh, sides should not, would not uh, underestimate. So Americans, Americans would easily change their political uh, standing according to their, you know, according to the change uh, in the in the geopolitical uh, theater, change that would uh, that would you know occur. So uh, let's not forget that America did help Kurds. Uh, because the, these uh, because Kurds were, were fighting against ISIS in the in Syria mostly and uh, and Turkey has prepared the terrain for the American intervention in this regard so if we reverse uh, this uh, this logic we have to address i think Ankara has to address to the core issue has to address to its uh, the reason why you know the Kurdish question has so far badly exa- why why it's so badly exacerbated and got out of control of Ankara and uh, for instance all of these are intermingled uh, and there is a quite strong interaction in between Syria question and Turkey's Kurdish question and America's standing point, you know, uh, and, and would America continue to provide its support to Syria Kurds, which is seen as a providing support to PKK by Ankara, by the way, and which is an important, important problematic uh, Against the against the I mean against the against developing better relationship between the United States and America uh, Turkey. Well, uh, maybe this stalemate uh, would be solved as one big actor would change its position. But changing position, for instance, uh, by Turkey would not help. But you know, democratizing Turkey would. Help Turkey in the in the mid and long run, uh, but we need to see Russia or America changing their position, and thus would help. Uh, thus, that would help Turkey to uh, to to develop a new approach uh, to its you know Syrianized Kurdish question. Uh, at the end of the day, for instance, there's a stalemate. Uh, but this stalemate is manageable. For instance, just for instance, until the new, you know, tilt, uh, on the, until the new tilt uh, in the status quo in the in the region.
0: Erdogan is planning a trip to Saudi Arabia, and this is part of his reset with Arab countries and the, an initiative that has so far included outreach to Egypt and the United Arab Emirates. But Saudi Arabia is another level, uh, given that until recently, Turkish courts had pursued the murder charges for the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. That case is now dropped and the trip is planned. What do you expect to come out of the visit and how do you see Turkey-Saudi Arabia relations evolving?
1: Well, there is a model already. Uh, This will evolve uh, according to how United Arab Emirates, Turkey relations have evolved so far. And as we have to admit that uh, there is a tandem in between these two Gulf countries regarding with issue, including Turkey's Middle Eastern approach, it's quite uh, foreseeable that uh, uh, relations between Saudi Arabia and Turkey are normalizing in a quite dramatic way. Why there? It's it's dramatic uh, because you know uh, it's it's uh, sad to see that you know uh, to say that uh, my country's relationship with a with a very important a- actor in the in the region is normalizing is a dramatic and a and in a very harmful way. Is is is meant that you know. Saudi Arabia challenged Turkey in 2018 uh, or more particularly uh, MBS and his his entourage they have challenged uh, Turkey by the killing of Jamal Khashoggi uh, in the Saudi Arabia consulate and this was a this was a, a real you know threat and punishment uh, to For uh, for what Turkey has followed as a you know pro uh, as a as a as a uh, İhvan like foreign policy, I don't say pro İhvan, İhvan like foreign policy because uh, this is what uh, this is how was it was it seen you know from a from a distance Turkey's uh, foreign policy since the beginning of the Arab Spring has been İhvanized uh because because they were you know uh, uh, they were dreaming about a a Mediterranean Eastern Mediterranean Basing basin, basin uh, run by the Ichwan, uh, wani movement from you know from Libya Tunis to to Egypt and Palestine, Syria and including Turkey and Turkey on top of it you know Turkey is the leader of this, if uh, one so-called uh, uh, have to say, you know, as a in a pejorative meaning, confederate, uh, you know, brotherhood, you know, that's what that that was a dream, and this dream has uh, has been shattered by the coup in 2013 in in Egypt. But it was hard to swallow for Erdogan this defeat. You know, was very big. And that's why uh, they continue to harbour Muslim Brotherhood and they continue to support uh, and mentoring Muslim Brotherhood in Libya, in other places, and they follow, you know, this policy of regime change in Syria. And then uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, this policy has consumed itself and proven, proven unsuccessful, proven unfruitful at all. And then Turkey has created a, a alliance against, against, uh, against itself in the region. This alliance brought together a very strange bedfellows, Uh, be it, you know, Israel, United Arab Emirates, Egypt, uh, Greek Cypriots, Greece. And then this was a, you know, uh, for Turkey, this was a total isolation. And this was unmanageable. This was unsustainable for for Turkey, for such a great country, important country in the region. And militarization of Turkish foreign policies didn't succeed as well either and at the end of the day they have to change it and they have to they have decided to normalize their relations with the with the region and uh, 2021 2022 we witnessed this you know steps of normalization and with saudi arabia uh, this normalization uh, cost turkey a very very heavy moral price moving sorry moving the Jamal Khashoggi murder trial case to, to Saudi Arabia, which is, I think, a very heavy, heavy-handed heavy coup, I think, uh, hit in this regard, because it gives the impression that, to the other world, to the third parties, that Turkey is so badly squeezed and cornered that, both diplomatically and economically, they can give, Any concession, any concession, they can make any sacrifice and it can capitulate itself for for a benefit, for a price. So it's so bad for Turkey to be seen, to be labeled uh, like such a country in badly need of assistance. And uh, I am sad for the country, but I am also happy at the same time that Turkey is normalizing its relationship with with, the, with its region. But the heavy prices, uh, but with the heavy price that we are paying right now, and these heavy prices are paid for the heavily wrong foreign policies that this administration, that Erdogan and his, his, his cohort has followed so
0: far. Padri, we are just about out of time. I wanted to ask one last question on domestic politics. Elections are scheduled for June, 2023. The opposition parties have tried to rally and show a united front. Uh, the economy could become even worse. You've talked about this today, given the consequences of the Ukraine war. Do you expect Erdogan in the AKP to hold on to power? And how do you see domestic politics in Turkey and electoral politics playing out?
1: Well, well, let me put in this way, that Turkey is very close to provide a remarkable example of an electoral transition from competitive authoritarianism to democracy. And uh, because for the opposition to win, we need a political power which is losing and Erdogan is losing finally. At the end of the day, and uh, the core reason of, uh, of of the of there is a meltdown. Uh, first to say, uh, slow but constant meltdown in the political support, popular support to the to the incumbent. But uh, the meltdown, the reason of the meltdown is the cur- current economic slowdown that Turkey is going through since uh, twenty eighteen, and uh, and it will remain there, the the meltdown will will remain there. This slowdown, the crisis in Turkish economy is not solvable in the foreseeable future. So uh, despite the fact that uh, Mr. uh, Erdoğan controls the state apparatus and judiciary and the media, et cetera, this time, I think, Turkey will stage a, a, an example without precedent uh, to, in the world stage. And, uh, and, uh, and Erdogan being in a total impasse will not be able to change the course of this political process. Because, you know, it's uh, uh, deficits... Deficits are there that uh, which have caused the crisis are there. Uh, it's a perfect crisis and are structural, and it can't address to the root cause of the crisis. Uh, they, you know, the they Erdogan can't address the root co- causes of the crisis. Uh, there's a classic classical remedy to solve economic crisis, and uh, and this this remedy requires. For, for example, political power to build trust, it, they can't. Uh, it requires devolution of power in order to build trust uh, for, for inviting economies are, for example, they can't. They can't reform their dubious public procurement and tender regime. They can't let auditing boards do their, to do their job properly and efficiently. They can't establish the rule of law. They can't abandon uh, abandon to use the judiciary as a political to, uh, tool. As some, as a some, they are totally in an in an impasse. They can't ratchet up the authoritarian the, this competitive authoritarian regime to a full authoritarian one because they don't have the ability, the capacity to sponsor, to manage or to finance bad governance they don't have energetic resources they don't have and they can't take the course of democratisation if they take it they will lose power so i think this time at the end of uh, at the end of this 20 years long period of period in political power i think this this political power is doomed to fail at the first uh, elections, despite the fact that they are they control the state, and they don't have any option to you know like not for not, not recognizing the their electoral defeat, not postpone or postponing the elections by uh, because of a war like situation, uh, uh, so on. So uh, I think. I think, what, is, what are they doing right now about Ukraine? There's a long, a long year ahead. I don't think that the, Ukraine, Ukraine, the crisis in Ukraine will, will help you know, Erdogan to uh, ease his situation. On the contrary, in the midterm, the situation
0: will be, will be harder uh, because of this economic fallout. Thank you for joining us today on On the Middle East and and for all of your contributions to El Monitor over the years. You were one of the members of the Turkish Pulse from the very beginning, about 10 years ago. And it's a pleasure uh, speaking with you today and getting your thoughts on what's happening in Turkey.
1: Once again, thank you very much for having me, Andrew. It was a pleasure
0: to share my view with your audience. We will return after this break.
1: I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at Al Monitor.
0: And I'm Joe Snell. I'm Al Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it: this past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sit through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let Al Monitor help you.
1: If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to Al Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amberin Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi you can now watch our newest
0: video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. Thanks to our guest, Kadri Gersel, and our production team of Beowulf Rockland and Rosabel Hine of Two Squared Media Productions. We will be back next week, and if you haven't done so, please sign up for all three of our El Monitor podcasts at your favorite podcast platform. Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel, whose guest this month is the legendary French architect Jean Nouvel, designer of the Institut de Mont de the Louvre d'Abu Dhabi. And many other amazing structures. And on Israel with Ben Casper, where this week Ben talks with Israeli cybermaster Nadev Saprier. And of course, this podcast on the Middle East, where Ambrin Zaman will be here next week with another decision maker or thought leader in the region. Thank you all for listening, and please keep up with all of the news and trends in the Middle East at Lmonitor.com.